Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks, share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. And the powers of the internet will be unleashed in five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of the real leaders podcast i'm your host kevin edwards and joining me today folks is the founder and ceo of packed with purpose please give a warm welcome to miss liat rothschild liat thanks for being with us today thanks so much for having me kevin of course of course so i think it's always interesting to kind of go into uh the the entrepreneurial pain points and kind of what sparked the idea. So when it comes to corporate packaging, something that many people listening to this will be familiar with, their trinkets, their golf balls, their t-shirts. What was that pain point that you experienced and why does this company exist? Yeah. So I'll take you back to a cold day in Chicago in December. Uh, pretty typical for the holiday season. I was working at a company uh, advising chief sustainability officers on how to use their corporate social responsibility dollars to do good for the business, but also to create a social impact. So that was my day job and our office is littered with gifts. So we've got boxes of fruits and we've got baskets of brownies and cookies and you know tins of popcorn, the typical corporate gift. And um, while all of them were delicious and wonderful and really enjoyable, it just dawned on me that there was an opportunity to create a better corporate gift, one that companies would feel really proud to give, but one that also created a social impact. 
because through the work that I was doing, I just knew that companies and the individuals that were buying gifts, you know, on behalf of their organizations were eager to do good and to show their values on their sleeve. So that was when I had that aha moment um, and knew that Pact with Purpose was was an idea worth pursuing. And, and talk about those early days, like what was the original concept and, and maybe how it's progressed over the yeah. years? Yeah. Uh, you know, five years, in, in five years, a lot happens. But uh, in those first few weeks and months, you know, I had this idea and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And so I just started dreaming out loud and sort of talking to people about this idea. Um, and then the first mini milestone was I put together the first prototype, uh, actually for my daughter's first birthday. And I took the idea of a goodie bag and sort of flipped it on its head, sourced a number of products, put it together in a gift box, gave it to my friends who either, you know, could have been decision makers or could have been uh, ones that would influence a gifting budget at their respective companies, followed up with no cost market research, got some feedback, and then fast forward a few months, uh, launched an Indiegogo campaign. So that was, you know, the first, uh, I'd say, big public facing milestone where I really wanted um, to launch the business. And after that Indiegogo campaign, it was sort of off to the races. Interesting. And and go into that a little bit more. Like I'm sure there's some entrepreneurs listening to this like, oh, you know, I've thought about like uh, crowdfunding before, but, you know, wasn't really sure if that was, uh, you know, an, an avenue I could pursue. What was that experience like? Yeah, well, the reason I decided to go with the Indiegogo campaign, one, I was really interested to get market feedback and to get it sort of in a consolidated um, timeline. Um, I also wanted to raise some funds, so I didn't have it. It wasn't like a binary uh, crowdsourcing campaign where if you don't hit a target, your um, campaign doesn't move forward. I knew that I was moving forward, but I was really eager to offset some of the costs by having dollars come in. And then I'd say of equal importance was just putting a stake in the ground and saying, I'm going to launch this business by X date. So as soon as you create an Indiegogo campaign, you basically have launched your product or service. And that means that you have to back solve based on your launch date, all of the things that have to occur. So for me, that was, you know, product sourcing and finding a fulfillment partner, figuring out, um, you know, all of the uh, marketing material, having a CRM that I could use to capture customer data. So it almost makes you fast forward to think of, what will you need the second you you know hit the light switch or you turn on the light switch? That makes a lot of sense. And let's talk about the product sourcing, kind of like step by step, because um, you know I, I would assume you're, you're going to let's say like artisans and they could be third world countries. Maybe they're just artisans who this is like their only income, and you're trying to make an impact by putting more money back into their pockets. Um, help me understand though, like the product sourcing that you've done, and, and also the economics that were may have been challenging to get that off the ground. Yes, great question. So the initial, let's call it thesis, um, okay. in starting Pact with Purpose was that individuals and companies in America want to have an impact in their own backyards. So the majority of our products actually come from U.S.-focused organizations and purpose-driven companies, because whether you live in New York, Miami, LA, Dallas, there's an opportunity to do good, you know, for individuals and communities in your neighborhoods. 
So um, you're right that there are definitely um, idiosyncrasies and challenges in our sourcing methodology, but that's also what makes us unique and totally different from any other gifting company because we're sourcing products from either social enterprises, which is basically the for-profit arm of a non-for-profit organization, or purpose-driven companies where you know they're really focused on doing good. So just to make that more concrete in case that just sounded like a bunch of jargon, um, just two examples. We work with a great social enterprise outside of Washington, DC, where we source their delicious granola. And that organization provides a workforce development program to women who um, have barriers to employment, who might be survivors of domestic violence or might have other um, challenges in seeking and um, sustaining employment. That's one example. Another totally different example would be sourcing these really amazing, you know, high quality woodbound journals from a company that's on a mission to reforest the planet. So for every product that they sell, they plant a tree and they've um, planted millions of trees across six continents, um, Antarctica being the only one that they haven't planted trees in. So that gives you a sense of the types of products we're sourcing. Um, but yeah, I, I actually have a uh, a good early entrepreneurial story that um, shares the challenges of, uh, you know, starting your business and, you know, the, the most important elements of your business when they go wrong, how everything can potentially go downhill. Uh, so when, um, right after the Indiegogo campaign closed, we were, you know, packaging and shipping all of our gifts. I happened to be uh, seven months pregnant with twins. So I wasn't doing this, but our fulfillment center was. Um, and I was in the NICU. Uh, my twin boys had, were in the NICU for six weeks. So I'm in the NICU. I get a phone call from our warehouse manager saying something's wrong with the product that just came in. And basically, um, it happened to be a, a, an organization that made granola that provided job opportunities to um teens that had been living on the streets or had barriers to employment, basically packaged the granola while, while it was too hot, which meant that when we got it, it was hard as a rock. Mm. And that was because, um, you know, we had a specific timeline that they tried to meet, but they didn't allow the proper cooling. Long story short, we get granola that we can't use. Right. Our timeline suddenly is at peril. I'm in the NICU, you know, having a business meeting with, uh, you know, teeny babies that depend on me. And it was all about, um, you know, active communication, really strong uh, partnership with our impact partner. That's the affectionate term we call our product supplier to figure out a solution so that we could get replacement products sent to the warehouse, have all of those packaged into our gifts, and then make sure that we didn't miss the timeline to send our gifts so that we wouldn't disappoint our customers. Um, it was much more stressful than me recounting it right now, but uh, it was a good early lesson. Well, I was going to say it's a wake up call to say, hey, welcome to entrepreneurship. <laughs> this oh, is, yeah, sure. is going to be your life for the next 10 years. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and I guess that may be a, a good transition to like the next question is like, you know, what are you currently challenged with? Obviously, to get the business off the ground, you run into these things, you put things in place to create quality assurance to make sure that you can probably ha not happen again, but you can only, you know, prevent so many things. Like what's currently keeping you up at night? Yeah. 
Um, there's a lot of things that are challenges, but I guess the few that I would point to is one, you know, we've, we've been in business for five years. So, uh, I would say we're still in the nascent years of our growth. And three of those years were during COVID and immediately thereafter, where we saw just a tremendous amount of growth due to COVID and then slow down following COVID. And so that has resulted in, um, challenges in our ability to properly forecast the inventory that we need to have on hand. Um, and then, you know, to compound that challenge, uh, we're a very seasonal business. So we um, have sales and we ship out gifts throughout the year, whether it's for, you know, conference speakers or employee onboarding gifts. Um, but the bulk of our sales is in the fourth quarter because um, someone wrote a memo I don't know who, but someone told corporate America that gift giving season is Thanksgiving to Christmas. And so that's when the bulk of, you know, gifting occurs. Um, and so matching up the forecasting challenge with, um, you know, having a highly seasonal business that can be really, really hard to figure out how much product we need um, across our gifts and to order it in enough time to give our impact partners the time that they need to produce it while having it on the shelf prior to getting orders in. Um, so that's probably uh, a really big one. Um, and, you know, we're not uh, like any other retailer. This problem is not unique to us, right? So for lots of retailers, there's inventory challenges and figuring out your forecast to inventory needs, um, I think is a, a challenge that will exist from here on forward. It, it it's interesting to, to learn about like different cycles and different businesses. Like what, what I'd be curious to learn about Liat is like, how do you keep a, a team engaged, you know, really throughout the whole year to stay focused and motivated and satisfied when sales are really going to be, you know, picking up toward the end of the year? Like what's your experience been like? Yeah. Um, well, I would say in some ways I feel like uh, I have it easy you know, that's not to say that it's always easy, but, you know, we're a company that has a, a dual mission, right? So we're focused on creating impact by bringing amazing gifts and products to market to fulfill market demand. So we're at the intersection of, you know, gifting and doing good. So if I can't keep employees engaged and motivated to want to work, um, I would argue it's probably challenging to do so, you know, in many other companies, much more so because, Gifting, you know, in and of itself is a positive experience. It's all about strengthening relationships and bringing people together. And then with every gift that we sell, you know, each of the products in our gift boxes does good. So it's an opportunity for our employees to not just feel like our clients and end recipients are motivated um, and excited by the gifts that they've purchased or received, but people are really connected to the missions and the opportunity to do good behind the products. Um, so I know that was sort of like high level, but I guess one example of how we do that, um, every month we have a uh, uh, impact partner spotlight. So we have a call with our team in one of our impact partners where it's sort of a behind the, speed, uh, behind the scenes conversation. So, um, you know, we get more personal with our impact partners to understand what drove them similar to this conversation, um, but one that isn't broadcast live. So hopefully we can, you know, tease out some of the nuances and the challenges and the headache um, and the thrill of growing their purpose-driven organizations. And 
that is really motivating because no matter what someone does, whether they're overseeing accounts payable or inventory management or you know digital marketing, at the end of the day, you know that your work is contributing to these organizations' ability to do more good. It's really interesting to learn about kind of like the, the values alignment aspect of this and, and, and why it's so important to know that whether I'm a buyer as a corporation um, or, you know, someone, in, a buyer in your own uh, company to define these products, what are some of those things you're looking for? Uh, maybe it's a certification, B certification, organic, like what to you qualifies a product that's impact oriented? Yeah. Great question, Kevin. So we actually have a proprietary methodology that we use in discovering potential impact partners. Um, and I would say at a high level, there's different types of impact. So we have six different impact areas that we're looking for, whether it is um, workforce development and job creation, or it's a focus on health and wellness, or it's a focus on um, sustainability in the environment, um, or products coming from diverse um, and or woman-owned businesses. But you know, it, it has to align within one of those six impact areas. Um, but then we really go through a rigorous process to vet those companies out and to make sure that uh, you know what they say their mission is is actually core to how they operate their business. So we're not looking for an organization that sort of uh, slaps. Um, a label, uh, you know, on their proverbial uh, uh, retail store and says, we're also doing good. We're really looking for um, product suppliers that embed that into their business. And that's the way we operate. Um, so I guess one example of where we had a, um, a potential product supplier that we were speaking with, who told us all about how they um, hired individuals who were refugees and provided them job opportunities. It turns out they did this for a short amount of time when there was a particular bill that provided them um, a grant to offset the cost hmm. of hiring those individuals. But then they basically, you know, moved away from that hiring practice. So it was through our discovery process that we realized, you know, what they said their mission was actually wasn't as steadfast as they made it out to be. And so those are some of the things that we're looking for. Um, and I guess to, to further you, your point, sometimes it is the certifications, but, you know, and this could be a, conver uh, a whole conversation, but being, you know, fair trade certified or woman-owned certified or veteran certified, um, there's actually a lot of work that goes into that. And some of our impact partners, quite frankly, don't have the people power to do so. And they are doing good but that actually isn't a certification um, that they have pursued. And so, you know, for some of our impact partners, their social enterprises where, you know, really embedded in their model is doing good at their core, but those organizations are probably the least likely to have, um, you know, a logo that you might know of, like, you know, B Corp or 1% for the planet. Got yeah, interesting, very interesting. Yeah, I like how you're talking about, hey, hey, here are values that we're not willing to compromise. And that's how we're going to make our decisions as a, as a, as in relation to the products that you're going to be selling to these corporations. Now, here's my question for you is, is, is that be a voluntary decision by you say, hey, this is a, something that a, in our ethos of our company that we're not willing to compromise? Or is that coming from the customer? Is it coming from the corporations who say, this is what we're looking for? Like, help me understand where that. Yes. 
so that is coming from uh, the the most core element of the business. So when I started Pack mm-hmm. with Purpose, um, you know, I gave you that story of like a cold day in December. The 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 aha moment I had. There was um, while I was working with corporations, I had colleagues that were working with social enterprises. And so a few of my colleagues came back from Detroit with these amazing um, like granola bites from a social enterprise in Detroit that was providing, uh, you know, 21st century leadership skill building for Detroit youth. The product was amazing. The story on the packaging was awesome. And I just thought this is what should go in a gift. Like this is what is going to make people excited. So that kernel of insight is what made me want to create a company where all of the products in our gift boxes do good. That's what makes us different, right? Like there's two different brownies, two different journals, two different, whatever it might be. What sets us apart is that the products in our gifts are creating a social or environmental impact. And we tell that story in our gift boxes. And so while you might love the gift, the truth is what you love even more is that you're a part of that impact. Um, So I had this insight that companies and people were motivated by that. And companies and people spend a lot of money on gifting, why not bring those two things together? So, you know, it's both something that is core to who we are, but it is in response to what I believe is market demand. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Leah, you've talked a lot about what I think embodies a a great leader in all of this. What's your definition of a real leader? I love that question. Uh, I would say a real leader is someone that gets in the details of a company. So, you know, most leaders, you know, you, you, you might focus on the strategic, you might focus on some areas of the business, but a real leader is someone that not only is able to focus on the big picture and the vision, but a real leader is someone who can also roll up their sleeves. And that might be, you know, uh, smoothing out communication challenges within an organization, figuring out opportunities for operational efficiencies, because you're getting in on the ground level. And I think that, um, you know, it doesn't always mean being liked, or being, you know, a friend to uh, people, you know, within the organization. But it really means that your colleagues and your team sees you as a real counterpart to their challenges and their opportunities to do their job better. I love that. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the Realtors Podcast today. For Leah Rothschild, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, roll up your sleeves, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Leah. Thanks so much, Kevin. Hey, Realtors, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Realtors.com today, you're gonna get the first 30 days for free where you're gonna be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com.
www.realleadershow.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.